Uh, hi, everybody. Welcome to the program. Very special show today because we learn things here. So we're all about the education, the information, trying to get better a little bit every day. And along this journey of podcasting, you meet some incredibly unique people that do some incredibly unique things. And we've been fortunate enough over the past couple of years to partner with some incredible people who do those incredible things. Um, you know, lost on a lot of people in their chase for revenue and their desire to be successful, captains of industry is outsourcing. <clears throat> lost on a lot of people is the pride in Canadian manufacturing. And uh, one of our partners at the Dean Blundell Show is super proud of Canada, super proud of his expertise, 20 years of it. In in an in an in an area uh, that 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 is so niche and difficult to understand, that includes science, power, batteries, physics, and it's so specific that it's difficult for people like me to have conversations like him. And thank God he speaks plain English, even though he's bright and he owns uh, one of the biggest tool making shops in the world. Uh, please welcome to the program the owner of Cantorque. Go to Cantorque.com today. The makers of rugged, hardworking torque wrenches, bolting solution experts, 20 years of it around the world, proudly Canadian. Colin Livingston, the owner, operator, founder. Look at that. Look at you. Look at you. Look at me. Hey, man. How are you, buddy? You know, what's another day in paradise? Good to see you again. Is Edmonton paradise these days? Is that what they're calling it? Livingston? Absolutely. I mean, dude, it's like... Uh... You know, uh, been melting here this week. Yeah, you know, coming out of the the minus forty stint that we had. Um, yeah, no, it's great, loving it. Good, uh, dude. I, I Edmonton. I was in Alberta like uh, I think two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Yeah, and thanks, I for, said, thanks for giving me a call. Well, I was in Calgary. It wasn't even in Edmonton. Like if I was in Edmonton, I would have come to see you. But I was in Calgary, and I'm like, man, people. No one here's in the kind of rush people are in Toronto. You know what I mean? Like you, 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 you and everybody's willing to help you out west in Alberta. It's a beautiful place. I mean. Sure, you imported Tucker Carlson for a couple of shows the other day, but I, I did not. <laughs> did you go? I, I most go uh, the the answer to both is I most certainly did not. No, one hundred percent no. Yeah. Woo! Some of the pictures that are going around of like with Jordan Peterson and Danielle Smith and Conrad Black, and I'm like, Man, there's a lot of criminals in that picture. Didn't know you could stack shit that high. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Alberta is a beautiful province. I mean, hey, listen, forget about ideologies. Forget about that. That is the most rugged, hardworking province in the country where you shake a man's hand in Alberta. If you're from out west, you shake a man's hand. I've, shake, I've shook your hand before. Those are working hands. You're like, oh, that's a real man. He has calluses. Not uh, not salesman hands, but yeah, they're, they're metaphoric calluses for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I just it's a beautiful place. Uh, let's talk about Cantor. What is Cantor? So we are um, we from from our start to where we are now has been a, a big evolution. We originally started um, technically October twenty six two thousand was the day I got fired from my job. Um, you know, had a one-year-old son at home, had uh, very little savings and uh, had to try and figure out how I was going to survive. Um, literally went into survival mode, made a couple of phone calls later on that day. And, and by, um, you know, literally by lunchtime, I had six suppliers willing to sell me product on credit. Uh, although I didn't have a business, I didn't know how to start a business. I didn't know how to do the filing. Like I had no clue. I just knew that, you know, what I was doing for my previous employer, 
uh, worked out really well and that I should be able to, you know, do the same thing for myself. Um, what we are now, um, is a, is a, a designer and manufacturer of industrial torque tools or, or assembly tools. So we, mm-hmm. we basically make things to put things together and take them apart if they have threaded fasteners. So a threaded fastener is, is really simply a, a stud or, you know, really a bolt. Um, and we provide tools and we produce tools to tighten and loosen basically nuts and bolts. That's the, that's the short version of what we do. Yeah, but you know, you don't you don't walk into something like that. Colin Livingston, the uh, founder, owner, operator of CanTorque, uh, makers of rugged, hardworking torque wrenches, joins us today. They're Canada's leading industrial tool experts. You don't grow up going, "I want to be a tool expert," right? That was out of desperation. That was like you you find yourself on the outside looking in one day, um, and this is the business. You're in the business of selling tools, right? That was that was your job. You were a tool salesman, if I'm not mistaken. Uh- yeah, I, I was in this industry and this is, I was, I was selling and renting these things, but as a kid, I always wanted to know what was happening inside the fence. So I grew up in a small town called Stony Plain. It's not quite as small as it used to be just outside the uh, city of Edmonton and just west of town within half an hour, uh, were a number of coal mines. So we would get out, you know, driving out to somewhere and I'd see these coal mines from the highway and I'd see these great big drag lines and I had no idea what they were. I had no idea what they were doing. And all, you know, my relatives could ever tell me was that, well, that's a coal mine, but what are they doing? How does that thing work? What's going on? Or when I would drive around the city we've got a number of refineries in town and we've got more refineries, uh, you know, just North of town in Fort, uh, Fort Saskatchewan. I would see these things, you know, billowing, you know, smoke and steam and have no idea what was going on, but I always wanted to know what was happening on the inside or when I drove past a power plant. So did I dream of being a hydraulic tool manufacturer as a kid? No, but I'm really getting to do the thing I love to do. And I always wanted to do, even though I didn't know that it was a thing, by getting to go into all these places um, and and help with you know the maintenance or the construction or what have you of of these industrial plants, whether it's you know uh, petrochemical, whether it's power uh, pipeline, you know marine, um, and and you know what's really really cool is now we're starting to uh, get get a really strong foothold uh, internationally. So we've got you know quite a bit of stuff happening in the Middle East. Um, you know, we've done some major projects in, in Europe and Northern Germany. Um, but yeah, for, for a kid from a really small town, uh, to, to be able to say that without hesitation, I'll fly 120 or 130,000 miles a year, uh, you know, somewhat for racing, but, uh, mostly for the business is still pretty cool. Oh, dude, it's, it, it's a, it's a cool story. I mean, you know, out of desperation because there's there's two different things here. I want to talk about your torque wrenches and your company, uh, but I also want to talk about you know uh, that moment where you realize, okay, I'm out of a job, right? Because because this is yeah. relational shit. Like there are a lot of men that are going through this time in their lives where they are, you know, twenty, thirty, forty years old. You know, they thought they were going to do something for a long period of time. Rug gets pulled out from underneath them. And they move to the blame game as opposed to move to the, I need to pick up the phone and get on this game. Like, was there a moment at all? Because I know you and I know you're a go-getter, so it's a little bit different. And so this question's sort of rhetorical. But was there a moment at all where you're like, what do I do? Or did you, like, how did you summon, did you just realize, I don't have a choice? 
No, when, when I got fired, it was very unexpected. Um, the, the company I worked for who I don't want to mention, um, I, I actually have a really decent relationship with them now. Uh, but it's, it's taken a number of years to, to kind of mend what happened. But, uh, my, my firing came, uh, very, very unexpectedly. I was one of the top producers in the company. My office outperformed the head office as far as the, the total number of profit dollars that we generated. Our gross profit was, was remarkable, um, so I had, I had no inkling whatsoever that my, my days were numbered there. Um, when, when I showed up at the office, the president of the company was in the office, in my personal office at my desk. And I knew the second I pulled up, when I saw him <laughs> sitting there, I knew my days were like, I knew I was done. I didn't know why, yeah. but the only reason that he would have flown from, you know, from Quebec to be in my office without talking to me first was to to ax me so give you the pump that's oh, a terrible was, feeling too if anybody's ever walked in their office because that's happened to me and their boss is there and you're like oh this can't be good yeah <laughs> well <laughs> we we went through it was a really really quick exchange he he's he handed me a letter and he says i want you to read this and i won't get this verbatim i have it somewhere in my files but it says due to differences in managerial direction we've decided to terminate your employment as of this date uh blah 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 we wish you the best in your future endeavors that was it and i had this the shit eating grin i had this smile on my face and i had no idea why but as he handed it to me. He gave me my last pay, uh, my last commission check and my vacation pay, which they're legally required to do. Mm-hmm. But he, he, he screwed me on a bonus I was supposed to get. Okay, fine. I well, there's why you got fired. Oh, that's yeah. why the bonus was his. Yeah, dude. well, um, what they lost far exceeds what they could have spent that day. But anyway, that turned into a really, really excellent motivator for a lot of future fuckery that that uh got dealt to him but um i he he accused he made an accusation and he said um you know we can't put this in the letter but uh we received copies of your emails and your text messages that were accidentally attached to your expense reports speaking in a derogatory manner about the management of the company and i said without any hesitation i said show them to me well, I don't have them with me and I'm not prepared to do that. I said, Jim, they don't exist. He says, well, we have them. I said, Jim, they don't exist. I said, first of all, you don't print out email. Now he was 75 years old at the time. So email was still a pretty new concept. But um, I said, like, if if I had done the thing that you're accusing me of, I would be coming up with an excuse. But my initial reaction being blindsided is, show it to me because there's got to be some misunderstanding and he wouldn't do it. So I said, Jim, at the end of the day, I've said to you from day one, if you don't want me here, then I don't need to be here. And that's all you ever had to say. Mm -hmm. I said, you're going to know if I was doing my job, if your office is here in two years, if your office is here in two years, then that means the work that I've done up till this point has generated enough momentum to get you to the end said anything after that is not my responsibility but if your office doesn't make it that long then you'll know i wasn't doing my job and you know they're still in business here to this day from that moment i didn't have a vehicle i was driving a company car i didn't have a cell phone i had a company cell phone i had one of my you know he was an employee but i had one of the shop guys 
get into one of the company vehicles and drive me home. So as I was driving, I said, I need you to make two stops for me. He's okay. So we stopped at a gas station. It was a Petro Canada, just, uh, just West of uh, Calgary trail uh, on 51st Ave. And I made a, a, a phone call from a payphone to a supplier. And I said, Hey, you won't guess what happened. Um, I got fired. They immediately jumped to and said, yeah, we'll, we'll support you with tools. I stopped and saw my father-in-law who owned a, a automotive manufacturing business and said, Hey, I just got fired. He's like, well, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know, but I think I'm going to try and do it on my own. And he kept saying like, you seem to be taking it very well. Cause again, I was just smiling and I didn't know what it was. It took me a long time to figure out that having that, that the, 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 the feeling of resistance I had to do everything like I was swimming against the current. I had to fight these guys with everything. I had to challenge everything. And we did so well that they should have just kind of turned over the, you know, give me a little bit more carte blanche, but their business, they could run it however they wanted. But all of a sudden I started like losing all that inhibition. I had all that stress and anxiety of the fight that you you had to have every time you tried to do something right. There's so many people that were in that are in, were in that position that when they get pumped, they go like this. Well, what do I do now? Why do I feel so good, though? Yeah. (laughs) As always, the Dean Blundell Show is brought to you by our friends at factcheck.io. Factcheck.io. Do you believe? The good people at FactCheck are a quorum of software professionals, psychological professionals, journalists that have been very busy building some software so that you can fact check anything that you read. It doesn't matter if it's got a URL, you'll be able to fact check it. Alternative sources, origins, whether or not it was an organic or inorganic campaign, whether or not you can trust the people that are putting out the information and alternative sources. And there's going to be a weapon button too, where you can turn that information around and put it back out there accurately to combat disinformation. The good people at factcheck.io are right now testing their beta version of their free program. Yes, it will be free for anybody who wants to use it. They want to battle disinformation because it is a problem. Go to factcheck.io today. F-A-K-T-C-H-E-K.io. F-A-K-T-C-H-E-K.io. The world's most robust fact-checking disinformation software for news, social media, video, print, anything spoken word. These people are on the tip and they use some of the finest software technology to be able to give you the advantage when it comes to getting agency back in your life, when it comes to information that you read. Go to factcheck.io today for more information. Sign up for the beta test, F-A-K-T-C-H-E-K.io. The Dean Blundell Show is brought to you by factcheck.io. Factcheck.io, makers of the world's most comprehensive fact-checking software, that have been very busy building some software so that you can fact check anything that you read. It doesn't matter if it's got a URL, you'll be able to fact check it. Alternative sources, origins, whether or not it was an organic or inorganic campaign, whether or not you can trust the people that are putting out the information so that you can give yourself agency over information in the age of disinformation. Again, want to beta test their product? They're going to launch it in the next month or two. Go to factcheck.io today. F-A-K-T-C-H-E-K. Dot io back to the show right well and that's you know really that should have been when i was the most stressed out but that's when i like i'm kind of built opposite of most people that i i tend to rise at every challenge and i tend to fall away at the the general stuff you know yeah people get excited for christmas i don't 
I don't care at all about Christmas. People get excited to do a, you know, this family thing. I don't really care. But when, you know, the building's on fire, there's a problem with the thing that, okay, no problem. We'll deal with it. Like I just had my passport was lost by FedEx here the other day. And I, I use my passport more than most people. And I'm telling the story to a handful of friends and family. And they're like, why aren't you, why aren't you more like you should be flipping out? I'm like, yeah, no, I just order a new one and it's done. I've just kind of built, you know, backwards of most people. So you're good in like, you know, life cratering situations, but you know, give you the wrong McFlurry, you lose your mind. Is that Uh, what you're saying? Yeah. Do something in traffic that actually has no effect on me. And I can go on a profanity lace tirade, uh, for, for, Waste an hour chasing the guy down. Yeah, dude, we've all been there. No, 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 no. I'm I'm a responsible driver, but um, I can't say there haven't been a couple of moments that I, but at the end of the, like people don't know who I am and I'm not saying I'm anything special, but I'm a, I'm a race car driver. I I know how to handle a vehicle in really extreme situations. You're not going to beat me on the road in any contest whatsoever. (laughs) Like if you want to start playing games, it's going to be very embarrassing anyway. Yes. You know, I don't need to talk about my criminal past, but, um, I, that's that dude, this is podcast one. We can't do that till like podcast 12. We got to oh. endear yourself to people before you talk about your criminal raid road, road raid past. We well, have this to. is like the fourth or fifth time I've done the Dean Blundell show. And you know, I've got my own this little, is like, things, I, but... yeah, I know, I know. It's just, you know, we're uh, leaning into some content about Cantor, but I, I'm also want to talk that. about like what it takes for a dude. And you know, he's got a one-year-old and he's like, I need to fucking do this. Like yeah. I need to figure it out because you know, you, you, you mentioned things about responding, like in situations like that, where you get put out, it is unfair. Guy just wants your bonus. He wants you to get out. You can do too good of a job. There is such a thing, by the way. So, um, but in situations like that, a lot of people turn themselves into the victim, right? And you had the ability to literally turn, focus on what you had to do and go do it, as opposed to sitting there going, how am I going to get back at those guys, right? And, And there are so many people, I'm sure you're an employer of a bunch of people, you see that, you know, where a guy loses his gig and he's like, forget it, the world's out for me. Uh, you didn't do that, which is why you own Cantorque, which is one of the world's leading industrial tool experts. You were able to do it in 20 years. Was that because you weren't resentful or you're smart enough to be able to focus on, hey, listen, none of that matters. I got to feed my family. It's honestly, I'm an idiot. I, I don't have smarts. Like, <laughs> No, but smart people cure cancer. Smart people put rockets into space. I'm not that. I I'm pretty clever and I'm moderately quick-witted, but I, I maybe, I don't know if it's an ability or if I don't get distracted by things that don't matter. So when we get into a situation that's problematic, it doesn't really seem to phase me because there's kind of one path that I can see, or maybe, you know, a couple of options, but only one that makes sense. So we just start going down that road. It's, it's not, I'm not built again, like a lot of people where before they make a big life decision, they've got to sit back and they've got to think and they've got to process and they want to, you know, I'm not saying that's wrong. I want to be really crystal clear. That's just not how I'm built. It's, it's that, okay, uh, this bad thing happened. So we got to respond. This bad thing happened. We've got to find a new way to do it. Like that's, that's all there is to it. So that still applies. We've got problems with our tools. Like we make great torque wrenches, but there's things that still go wrong. So we want to fix them. It doesn't mean 
take the whole, you know, throw out the baby with the bathwater. We just need to go back. We talk to an engineer. We talk to our production people. Hey, here's this problem. What do you suggest? Well, we can try it this way. Okay, let's try it that way. Let's try it this way. We move on. Like you just. Well, but you're in an industry too, though, dude, like where you're testing products all the time. You're coming up with solutions. And, And when you test products as you're testing them, we'll get to some of these products in just a second. Failure is the goal, right? You test to failure. And yes. and when it comes to the personality that you have, it's a direct indicator of the business you're in where you're like, let's just see how much like, dude, you drive carts. You, you're a race car driver. It's what you do in your spare time. You're part of the Alex Tagliani Pinty's racing team. Those 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 like fire suits. They're not jokes. You're for no, real. They're not. not props. You know what I mean? And, and, and that's my point is yeah. that the goal is to test to failure. Isn't that, though, like the advice you've got sons, you've got employees. Isn't that the advice you kind of gave yourself in that moment? And isn't that the advice you give to young people where it's like, no, you never stop. When you fail, you keep going. Whether it's your failure or someone else has impugned that failure on you, your job is to contest a failure again and again and again so you can learn how to get on top of shit. More than anything, um, because I I also have to be aware that there's, there's multiple personalities out there. So the way that I tell my son who works within the business, the way that we talk about a problem or a mistake that was made is different than the way I talk to my administrative person. My, my administrator is conflict, um, like not even adverse, like she's so, um, opposed to conflict that, um, it's a, it's an absolutely different way that, that I talk to her instead of the way I talk to, you know, other people. But, more than anything, when there's a problem in my older life, before I sought a lot of counseling and did a lot of work on myself, all I'd want to do is like hammer on the problem and you made a mistake and you know, so on and so forth. But now the, the, the way that I try and handle things is to be able to say like, okay, look, this didn't happen the way we wanted it to. Where did we have a miscommunication? Did I not, did I not illustrate or did I not identify the, the objectives properly? Or is this something that you maybe did wrong? just so that we know how to prevent that in the future. Um, it's, it's not, I can't, I can't, um, implement my, the way that I would handle something on someone else because, you know, the different personalities just don't deal with that the the same way. But, um, if nothing else, we don't, we don't generally make big deals about things until they really need to be made. Like if somebody's insulting, if somebody's disrespectful, um, if somebody's manipulative, that, that doesn't get handled as politely as, you know, we sent, you know, we, we genuinely sent something to the wrong place or we sent out the wrong tool and we had to fix it. Um, yeah. If people, if I get the feeling that people are either rude or manipulative, um, yeah, that, that still does not, that doesn't get handled very, very smoothly. Oh, you're one of those guys where you're like, Hey, I've just got this thing about assholes. And if you're an asshole to me, I'm just going to take all the guardrails off. We'll see. Again, if it's, if it's manipulative or if I feel like, you know, we get, you know, from time to time, we'll get a customer, um, you know, again, won't mention anyone by name, but like they'll rent something from us. They'll have it for two weeks. They'll come to us and say, uh, oh, we just went to use this for the first time and there's a problem. It's like, okay, well, you've had it for two weeks. Yeah. Well, it just sat there. Okay. But then we get them you know, because we've got like hour meters on our pump. So we know when that thing got turned on, send it back to us. We'll take a look. It's like, well, there's five hours on this thing since we sent it out to you. So how did it, how did it happen the way you said it did? 
oh well that's what the guys told me it's like well now yeah now yeah, you're lying you're lying to us <laughs> so the way that we're going to respond to that is going to be different like don't don't you don't have to lie tell us what the problem is if it's our fault we fix it if it's your fault you pay for it we still fix it just if if you're starting out by lying to try and get what you want instead of admitting what the situation is that's a very different thing how important is that when you start your own business telling the truth right just uh, like the accountability portion of that it's i couldn't do it any other way i don't yeah do it. Yeah, I, I know. And that's dude. And that's the thing. This is why I love doing this podcast. I was just thinking about it when I was sitting here listening to you. I'm like, man, we're talking about resilience. We're talking about trust. We're talking about brands you can trust. Right. Which is really in your industry, the most important thing. Like you have, you're incredibly niche. And I want to get to some of the stuff that you do right now. This is the cantork.com website, brand new website, which you can check it out. Cantork.com makers of rugged, hardworking torque wrenches. I say it all the time, tool rentals, calibration services, repairs, custom fabrication. So you guys make these tools for very specific purposes for industries around the world. Um, give me some of those industries and then let's talk about some of the tools. Okay. Uh, again, our stuff is stupid. It doesn't care where it's working. It doesn't care what it's doing. Um, we've got, you know, uh, half a dozen main product types, uh, which in turn have a bunch of subtypes, but you know, we specialize in providing things to tighten and loosen industrial fasteners. So a fastener is just, um, you know, what most people would think of as a bolt. Um, mm -hmm. In, in the majority of our cases, we work on studs. The difference between a stud and a bolt is a stud is just thread the whole way through. There's no head on it. So a stud will have two nuts. A bolt only has one nut because it's got a built-in nut on the, on the head. Um, and then from there, we make, uh, like you're showing right now, the CT series. So CT for our tools, uh, comparing back to like automotive technology, these are what we call square drive tools, and they're the equivalent of a pickup truck. They're general duty, they're wide application, and they can do a lot of different things with very little um, adaptation. So by putting you know a one-inch socket on that thing one day or putting a three-and-an-eighth-inch socket on it the next day, it's got this big spread and... Um, you know, can do a, a lot of work in a really small package. Um, we make these tools uh, starting at about 100 foot pounds up to 60,000 foot pounds, which is an awful lot of power. Um, but yeah, this is kind of our our flagship type tool. Bread and butter. That's your tool. That's what you, yeah. Okay. And, and like, like, are you using these in nuclear reactors? Are you using these uh, in railroad, forestry, heavy machinery, like, like who, who's using these, who do you spec these for? Again, it's, it's industry. There's not one that, um, that stands out over the others, but we, we supply these often to, um, heavy equipment dealers. So the, uh, Caterpillar, John Deere, Hitachi, uh, they, they use these for working on what they call grousers, uh, the, the track pads on the, the big track shovels and, and excavators and things like that. Um, you know, these often go into power generation, uh, lots and refining. Um, but then we have another type of hydraulic wrench that's more specialized that, uh, you know, kind of fits into tighter places. So in, in a lot of cases, when it comes to drilling, when it comes to um, some of the refinery applications, you need a thinner tool. And that's what 
um, you know, our RT series uh, handles. It tends to, to be a little bit lighter. It's a lot thinner, um, but to do a multitude of sizes is far more expensive. So there's, there's a time and place for everything. Yeah, this one right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's on the front page of your website. This is the RT series hydraulic actuator. Yeah, that's what it is. That's what it um, is, right? Yeah, 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 dude. I, I've been through it. I like your website. Um, and it's a new website where anybody can go to cantork.com, check out any one of their products, whether it's something from the CT series, RT series, which we just talked about, which is sort of your bread and butter. But I want to get to some of these because they come with great pictures. And you know me, I like pictures. Um, you've got some incredible uh, industries that that not many people think of, like tunnel industries, like boring industries, right? Yeah. Um, talk a little bit about that because I find that to be fascinating too, is not just what you make, you know, these tools for these torque wrenches for, uh, which is highly specialized, but like some of the jobs that you're, you're getting tagged in on, like, like tunneling must be fascinating. Yeah, that was a cool, that was the, um, the, the square drive tool, the CT tool, um, that we got contracted, um, by a local company or, you know, a, a, an out of town company was doing a local project. And yeah, we, we supplied, uh, that picture right there. We supplied, uh, one of our one inch square drive tools. Uh, they had tried three competitor tools, uh, and couldn't get the load that they needed to loosen these things off. And, um, I'm not going to say why, but our tool has a couple of hidden features that allow us to generate more torque at the same rating. So a competitor's tool might be rated at 3000 foot pounds, but they're not actually delivering full 3000 foot pounds at the drive. They're doing it kind of at the, the power side, just like your car might make 300 horsepower, but you're not getting 300 to the wheels. Mm. We've got some tricks that we use that actually gets the, the power to the, to the output drive. Um, but to be able to work on a tunnel boring machine was, was really, really, really cool because, um, you know, as, as you mentioned before, like this is the same kind of stuff that was used to build the channel. I think this is what, you know, uh, Gothenburg tunnel in, in Sweden, Sweden, Switzerland, wherever that is, um, this is what they use to tunnel through mountains. This is what, you know, this was, um, being used uh, for part of the underground um, LRT system that, that we're expanding here in Edmonton. So to be able to play, you know, really it's a very, very small part, but to say that we're part of it is, is eternally cool. Oh dude, it's super cool. Um, it doesn't stop there. I want to talk about the VXP battery uh, powered nut runner. I just yeah. love the name, by the way. I don't know if you named it yourself. Sounds like you did. <laughs> Which part? The VXB part or nut, the nut runner? Nut runner. Yeah, the nut runner. Uh, no, nut runner is a generic term for a tool that continuously turns. Uh, what a cool industry. Nut runner. So, it's a generic yeah, this term. is um this is kind of cool because we take, you know, essentially battery motors that you would use on a cordless drill or a cordless impact wrench and modify it by putting a gearbox on the end. So instead of you know taking a little impact driver that can maybe put out, I don't know. 20 or 30 foot pounds, maybe not even that much. We've got uh, four main models that will generate up to 3000 foot pounds. So 3000 foot pounds is a number and it doesn't make a lot of sense, but let's say the average man, like I I could use this to, I could use this to put together Ikea furniture and it would take me no time at all is what you're saying. That is not what I'm saying. Yeah. (laughs) Unfortunately. Yeah. You wouldn't want to use this on the, the Kugel or the Kisses as they say in Deadpool. Um, but an average person can pick up about a hundred pounds. So if you put 
if you put your full force on a one foot long bar, that's the, the, um, the, that's the, in essence, a hundred foot pounds. Yeah. So a hundred pounds of force on a one foot lever. This is the equivalent to the average person pulling as hard as they can on a 30 foot bar. And that's also factoring that the bar has no weight that we're pretty much in space and all the rest of it. So it's, it's an extremely powerful tool mm -hmm. in a very small package. It only weighs about uh, 15 pounds. Yeah, dude, it's incredible. I mean, you know, you, you, basically what you're doing is you're souping up torque wrenches. Like <laughs> you're like the aftermarket guy for torque wrenches and tools, right? That's what can torque does. Um, I, 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 I want to let you go uh, here in a minute because I, I want to talk more about a couple other things as we continue the series and get to know can torque, give people a, a, you know, a look under the hood of a business you can trust that is in Canada. How important was it for you to bring manufacturing back to Canada a couple of years ago? Well, it was, yeah, it's very easy to be, um, you know, uh, self-congratulatory um, for, you know, for, for these kinds of things. But it was also very selfish because I know categorically, Canada is a very, very difficult country in which to do business. Now, not just, you know, I'm not talking politically, but from a physical and a geographic standpoint, what we do here is not easy. You know, when we build a pipeline, you've got to cross rivers, you've got to go through prairie, you've got to go through mountains, you've got to survive, you know, down to minus 40, we get as hot as plus 40. It's, it's a very, very, very difficult environment to do anything in. So we've, we've developed a lot of technology and we have a lot of really, really, really smart people who the, the manufacturing base here in Edmonton is, is un, unrivaled. I shouldn't, uh, there's nowhere better than what we have here in Edmonton. So there's tons yeah, you've, of it, Edmonton is like, people don't understand this all around Edmonton in Edmonton for McMurray. I mean, you know, manufacturing and the people that need to test and use tools like yours, like it's ridiculous that, that, you know, and the idea that pe more people aren't doing what you're doing and bringing all their manufacturing for that industry into that province, because, I mean, you know, you've got a beta test every time you turn around, right? Like, you know, you have the ability to put these things in the hands of people who truly need it, number one. But like your background, your your backyard is a playground for your industry. We've got virtually every industry within a few minutes of my office where we could test a particular thing in a very specific um, application. But the the manufacturing that happens here is not simple manufacturing. It's very complicated from, you know, downhole tools to motors to, um, you know, countless other uh, industries. So the, the local machining community, we've got really good supply um, supply lines. So we get very good materials. We've got, you know, people that can bring in, a, you know, super exotic materials, but we've got people here who know how to work with them. So when, when we first started, uh, when I, I really moved away from being a distributor and, and started down the road of, of manufacturing, we, we went through an intermediary step where we had other companies building tools, but putting our name on them, mm -hmm. which was, was great, but it was also terrible because we had no control on how these tools were made. And when those tools failed, it was our responsibility, even though we didn't actually design it, we didn't actually make it, but the customer didn't care because it said Cantork on the side. Mm which led us to the next step where we had to start doing the manufacturing ourselves, And, and through the process, you know, we've done, we, we've had tools made in India. We've had tools made in China. We've had tools made in Europe. And then 
the the big deal was when when we have those um you know those partnerships in place i was having to fly and and visit the the production facility to make sure things were being built properly and to make sure that things were online and to to answer questions in real time is a whole lot easier than somebody sending a poorly worded email that that's got a, a you know a strange uh, translation to it that doesn't make sense. And we go back and forth for three or four days, or I could get on a plane and be in the factory in you know, under 24 hours. But once we, once we started taking a look and started talking to some of the local uh, companies, you know, the, the, of course, the first question that we have is, well, what's it going to cost? Well, things are going to be more money here. Well, not necessarily because material is, is a spot price. So the, the, you know, if you take a particular grade of steel and you buy it in Edmonton, it's going to be about the same price in Manhattan as it is in Bombay, as it is in Beijing, as it is in, in Germany, because that's what that material sells for, you know, on that day, Mm -hmm. it goes into a machine, uh, you know, almost all of our stuff and all anyone's stuff that that's made now is uses what's called CNC computer numeric control. So it, it gets a program, the machine runs a program, and you end up with a finished product. Well, the machines that we use here, the machines they use in Taiwan, the machines they use everywhere, it takes about the same amount of time. We don't have a big labor component to, you know, the assembly of our tool. We can build a tool and, you know, I could build, I've done it before. I could build like 20 tools in half an hour. So the amount of labor we put in is, is virtually none. So the pricing is pretty similar. The only times you can find that the the overseas stuff is going to work out cheaper is when they use inferior materials, they use an inferior design, or they cut some other corner. And That's, don't tell you about it until after you try it and it breaks. <laughs> or you don't know, you know, because yeah, yeah. most of the people that go down that road, they aren't manufacturers. They haven't, you know, I've wasted millions of dollars making mistakes trying to figure out heat treating trying to figure out um different production methods whether we want to um you know use a use a mill use a wire edm use a laser cutter use a plasma cutter there's a bazillion combinations that you can use and trying to figure things out we made so many mistakes in the very beginning and and Mm. the very beginning was like five years and literally millions of dollars just gone to get to where we're at now, where we've got a much better idea of like, okay, for this tool, this is how we're going to make it. We need this material. We need this finish. That's it. There's no other way to do it. Once we started bringing that in and started the development um, and and started to, to develop our own local manufacturing, we haven't looked back because the costs, yeah, they're a little bit more per piece, but I don't have to fly to Europe to, to oversee it. We don't have the, the crazy freight costs. We don't have to do a bunch of sea freight with, you know, all the logistics. Well, and sea freight's gone up like three, four times, right? Like it's, it's up and down now. Yeah. Sea freight is like, I get probably get 10 emails a day just from overseas, um, you know, freight brokers like, Hey, do you have anything coming from Shanghai? Do you like it, There's tons of availability, but if there's an issue now I can get my vehicle I can drive within half an hour and I can be at the machine shop. And now we're pretty excited because we've started adding our own machines within our own building here. So we're going to start making certain components in house. So, you know, even with that, you know, you come for a visit, I'm going to be able to put a, you know, piece of material on a machine or on various machines, walk you through and say, okay, it's going to take half an hour, but this is going to be start to finish. And when we're done, this is going to be a, 
whatever it is. But anyway, like we can take people and we can show them what we're doing. Or we have a customer in the building says, well, I've always liked your this, but can you change it like that? Sure. Change the drawing, put material in the machine. We could be, you know, cutting same day. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you know, dude, and, and everybody's chasing margins, right? You're chasing excellence. It's what you do at Cantor. You've been doing it for 20 years. Uh, you're super proud of the people that you work with. This is a family owned and operated business. It is out of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Uh, you do business around the world fiercely and proudly Canadian. It's one of the things I love about you and your website too. I just want to bring this up. Uh, you can have a look at the front page of his website. If you go to cantorque.com and you can see that beautiful torque wrench. Is that from the RT series? I believe it is. That is the RT series. Yes, It sir. sure is. You're welcome for the education I got. Um, and it's this little emblem you put on your on your casing. It's this little emblem. It's like, hey, man, we want you to know uh, that we did this here. We're proud of this country and we're smart about the way we do things. Might cost a little bit more, but what's more is that it's in your backyard and you've taken control and you do this around the world. You're, you're one of the most trusted brands in the tool making industry. Uh, I want to thank you for your time. We're going to get to know Colin over the next little bit. You can visit everything he does at cantorque.com. Check out his podcast. It's called Talking Torque. You can get everything, including his podcast and talk to him about maybe becoming a distributor. Hey dude, if this doesn't go well, I have no problem selling the world's greatest torque wrenches for my friend Colin. I just want to let you know that. That's perfect. Yeah, we got a couple of power stations within uh, within a few minutes of your house. So, you know, uh, just just get on the 401. To, what is it? 10, 15 minutes east towards yeah. Oshawa. And, yeah. And, um, Head out yeah, to Clarington. Dude, Bonneville. I'll, I'll do whatever you need me to do. I'm we your do race cars. Then we do some torque wrenches. Yeah, that's right. Know? Yeah, that's right. It's all good. Uh, also, uh, a partner in the Tagliani Racing Team, Cantor, Colin Races, Carts. We're going to get to that in a couple of podcasts as well. Uh, he's a well-rounded man. He's a renaissance man, and he breaks more golf clubs than me. Uh, no, dude, you look good. Your hair looks on point, too. You look well, really good. I, it, would you say majestic? I've heard that term you know, a few times. It, yeah. it flows. Oh, like yeah. You're like me where you, it, you're mixing in a little brown with some Arctic gold. That's yeah, there's close. Yeah, yeah the, these good. are not um these were I not like hairdresser inspired <laughs> highlights. That's just uh that's a function of being 50. Hey, me too, buddy. Uh welcome to 50. Happy birthday. I know you just had one. Colin, uh, you're a great partner for us here at the Dean Blundell Show and Cryer Media. Uh, we're really happy to have you part of what we do. Happy to talk about your story, resilience, get to know your business a little bit. And I encourage everybody that does this kind of stuff, have your friends who do something extraordinary that nobody else that you know does talk about them in your podcast, man. This is a great education learning experience. And we want to introduce people to you. Great Canadian, uh, good man, Colin Livingston, go to cantork.com for more information. Thanks so much for being here, brother. Really appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Thanks to you. Anytime pal. Talk to you soon. That is Colin Livingston, uh, owner of cantork.com. One of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. And I mean that Renaissance man, I can get on a phone with him. And we can be in the middle of a conversation about golf and we'll end on philosophy or torque wrenches. It really depends on the day. But go to cantorque.com for more information. As always, this podcast is brought to you by Colin and our friends at Cantorque. They make rugged, hardworking torque wrenches. We've given you the lowdown. Just go there today and check them out. Uh, and let's make sure that we support Canadian, buy Canadian, help Canadians. That is a Canadian who puts his money where his mouth is. Thanks so much for everybody for your time. Really appreciate it. Uh, you can get everything you do at Cryer Media. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye.
I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast. Heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.